Here we go. Sound Health Radio Show with Richard Talk to Me Guy. And as I say each week and will continue to keep saying, I bet, Sherry Edwards is off working on the soundhealthportal.com. If you'd like to know more about the portal, go to soundhealthportal.com. I recommend scrolling down to the current campaigns, which I checked this morning, and some of the current ones are PTSD or TBI neuroplasticity, bio-diet, or corona conflict, and there are others. And the campaigns are the ones, uh, the programs that you can have your voice run through for free. And if you scroll down just a bit further and you go to how to get a free report, you sign up for a free membership, and they're not going to spam you. They don't sell it. They don't do that much with it other than send you a report. So sign up for a free membership. Choose the campaign that you'd like to have run. One of my personal favorites is neuroplasticity because it shows the activity in the brain and what might be out of balance or too much or not enough, which is oftentimes about assimilation and methylation cascade and all those wow things. And so you choose the free campaign. Then the system will walk you through doing two 30 to 40 second recordings directly from your computer. I do suggest having on hand and even though we're slowly coming out of the COVID lockdowns, I recommend having the Samsung Go mic, which is a handy little, it's only about a two-inch microphone. I have one clipped here to my desktop because it's really great to have around for those let's do a Zoom meetups and all those sorts of things. And I carry one in my pocket so that when I'm visiting somebody, I can plug it into their computer and have them do an intake right from their computer. And the Samsung Go mic can be found at soundhealthoptions.com at the store and they're not they're very reasonably priced and come in a really nice case they're quite durable i recommend having one highly so you record those two 30 to 40 second recordings and as i say the system the sound health portal will walk you through all this then within a couple hours two to maybe eight hours you'll get a report by email and i recommend sitting down with a cup of tea and reviewing the report because it's a lot of information if you have a practitioner that you think would be open to that information, you can take it and talk to them about it. And if you want further information and to learn more about the portal, I suggest, again, at the soundhealthportal.com, scroll down to Bioacoustics Biology, which is toward the bottom, and you can see it, you'll see a tab there of videos. And you can watch Sherry do a live workup online with somebody where they do an intake and then she takes their voice through the software. And one of the great things that Sherry's done is develop amazing charts that show you like a pie chart that gives you a a great visual of like, there's the thing I want to look at right now, the thing that might be keeping me out of balance, that might be keeping me from being all that I can be. didn't mean to go there. Um, so it's really, it's a great visual demonstration to see how the system works. 
and the kinds of information that can be generated are really quite amazing. And if you want to hear a replay of this show, you can go to soundhealthoptions.com, click on the radio tab, and then click on Sound Health Radio, and the flyer for this show will be at the top of the list with the links back to the show notes and everything. And then also at the top, you can either click on the Stitcher or Pocket Cast link. And let's say you click on Stitcher. The show will be there on that page within about half an hour, sometimes an hour with podcast aggregators. And you can also find it by going to either on iOS, the app, the podcast app is called Podcasts. On Android, it's called Google Podcasts. And with either of those or any podcast aggregator that you use, you can just type in either Sherry Edwards or Talk to Me Guy, whole one word, and you'll be able to find the hundreds of shows that we've had there. And or now I'm also happy to say you can go to TalkToMeGuy.com and you'll see well over three, I think that one stores about three to 400 episodes with complete show notes and link backs and further show notes that I've added after the show and thoughts that I have. So you can, and there you can also, if you'd like, you can leave me a voice message right from uh, either your mobile device or your computer. You can just click on the microphone at the bottom and leave me a message for questions or suggestions for guests. And we built the site so that it's very mobile friendly. So you can just pull up a page right on your phone and you'll be able to leave a message from there. And it loads really well. I'm really happy with it. With that, Martin Lee is the co-founder and director of Project CBD and the author of several books, including Smoke Signals, A Science Social History of Marijuana, Medical, Recreational, and Scientific, which received the American Botanical Council's James A. Duke Award for Excellence in Botanical Literature. Named by High Times as one of the 10, 100 most influential people in cannabis, he is the 2016 winner of the Emerald Cup's Lifetime Achievement Award. Lee is also co-founder of the media watch group, FAIR, Fairness and Accuracy in Reporting. CBD has splashed across the nation's headlines, taken the country by storm, and has everyone from Coca-Cola to Starbucks considering adding this new miracle supplement to their drinks. But what is CBD? Drawing from peer-reviewed research and medical studies, as well as interviews with neuroscientists and doctors, the Essential Guide to CBD debunks common myths and rebuffs pseudoscience. You'll learn the basics of what CBD is and how it works, how it can be helpful against more than 30 health conditions, and how to pick the type of product that will work best for your needs. Complete with recipes and first-person accounts from real people who have used it, the Essential Guide to CBD tells you everything you need to know about the all-natural treatment that's sweeping the nation. Martin Lee joins us to discuss the Essential Guide to CBD, a reliable, easy-to-understand primer written by the editors of Reader's Digest and the experts at Project CBD. Welcome, Martin. Thank you very much. Good to be with you. I, I have to ask, because I'm old enough that I remember the original sort of, it was sort of a, it was an oddly shaped magazine, meaning it was small, coffee table kind of magazine, not like Life magazine, which was huge. And in it, I was kind of surprised. I missed the little jokes at the end of each chapter because that was kind of Reader's Digest style. To, they'd have stories, 
and then they'd have like a little humor section or a learning section at the end of every chapter. How did Reader's Digest and Project CBD get together to do this? Oh, it's very simply, uh, Reader's Digest reached out to Project CBD. I mean, Reader's Digest really is an American institution. Uh, it's got a huge media universe all its own. Uh, and they were very interested in uh, putting out a book about you know, focusing on CBD, cannabidiol, the component of cannabis um, that's not intoxicating, yet has many therapeutic attributes. Um, and they, I guess they looked around and they felt that our website uh, was basically the most complete set of, offered the most complete set of information about CBD. And you know, we talked about it for a while, made sure we were coming from the same place and we could work together. Um, then we decided to go for it. And I think it actually worked out very well. And I was very pleased uh, because, you know, Project CBD started over 10 years ago when no one else was talking about CBD. Uh, I was very pleased that uh, to have the opportunity to work with Reader's Digest because it really meant that we were no longer talking just to ourselves at Project CBD or, or within the echo chamber of the universe, the, the ecosystem that we uh, emerged from within uh, the medical cannabis world in California. But, you know, CBD is now a global phenomenon, and it felt absolutely appropriate uh, to work with um, a media institution like Reader's Digest to, to get the word out to people who wouldn't ordinarily be plugged into what we were already doing at Project CBD. So we, we didn't want to speak just to the converted. I, I felt it was a great opportunity, and I'm, I'm glad it happened. Ultimately, I think we, we produced a really nice book. I agree. I was really surprised, as I say, having that sort of – the last time I saw Reader's Digest was – a long time ago and so when I saw this project I thought really at first I was a little bit like really and then I saw it I got the book and I was surprised it's a great compendium I mean I'm really happy the project happened f with you with Project CBD because it is this is a book I could hand to anybody that is a complete novice in the world of CBD and there's tons of information and actual recipes the most mysterious part of making a CBD, whether it's a gummy or a salad dressing or anything. I mean, it's, it is a really great work. I'm impressed. I think it's a, I think it's a very exciting and cool project. Well, I, you know, I'm, uh, again, I'm pleased how it worked out. And much of the credit goes to the, the editors at Reader's Digest. It was really their idea to do a book like this. We have published recipes uh, to how to make um, different, uh, you know, meals or, or individual item food items infusing with CBD, but it was really Reader's Digest who saw the picture of, you know, how to do it, had a vision of really uh, how to make this book work for both the novice, but also not just the novice. Uh, I, I feel yeah. there's information there that would be useful for doctors and physicians and for, for even those who think they know all about CBD, we'll find, uh, we'll find this very useful and, and be an eye opener. The, the main thing is we wanted, we wanted it to be written in a way that was very accessible and very understandable to people, uh, irrespective of sort of where they're coming from, how familiar they're with uh, cannabis or CBD already. Uh, so yes, it is an introductory primer, but it's more than that as well. And uh, for people who aren't aware of Project CBD, how did, Project CBD started in 2009. How did that get started? I haven't, I've never asked you that question. How did Project CBD actually get started? It, it's an amazing resource. I have sent hundreds to possibly thousands of people to Project CBD as a reference place for information on CBD. How did that get started? 
Well, you know, it's a kind of a bit of a long story. I won't go into it at all, but it was launched by a couple of journalists uh, living in California who were writing about medical cannabis and what was happening in California in, in those days. Uh, you know, the obvious question that was posed, if you're actually going to engage in this subject matter as well, you know, a lot of people are saying things about cannabis and how it helps them for different health conditions, but is it for real? And if so, is there any scientific basis for this? Any scientific basis for the, for the many claims that have been made? Uh, so we began to attend science conferences uh, to hear what the scientists said. There was a particular organization called the International Cannabinoid Research Society. Every year they have a meeting, hundreds of scientists from around the world, including Nobel Prize winners, get together to talk about the research that they've been doing, uh, focusing in particular on components of the cannabis plant like CBD, uh, but not just that. They're looking at the, the system, or what's referred to as the endocannabinoid system, uh, the system that all mammals have uh, that allows uh, cannabis or CBD to actually have an effect. And it works through this system. And it really is quite fascinating what we heard at these conferences. And I, I didn't really know much about CBD at all. It wasn't really part of the medical cannabis world that I was familiar with. But listening to what the scientists were saying about what they found when they experimented with CBD and other components of the plant, uh, mainly on mice, it was truly jaw-dropping. I mean, it was phenomenal. And, and the, the take-home message for me was, well, wow, you know, uh, what a pity it is that we don't have access to CBD uh, within the medical cannabis world in California or elsewhere for that matter. It just wasn't available to people. So we made it our mission to report to physicians and patients and anyone interested in the public about what the scientists were discovering about CBD. Uh, but more than that, uh, we, we were fortunate to uh, be in a situation to learn about a few different cannabis varietals that were what we call rich in CBD that had a lot of CBD in the plant you know, rather than the THC, the tetrahydrocannabinol, the high causer, uh, the intoxicating component of cannabis, which also has very significant medical value. Um, but once we learned that there were a few plants that were CBD rich, we got access to these plants, we made cuttings and clones and literally gave away initially hundreds, if not thousands of cuttings for free so that growers could grow them, uh, dispensaries could sell the material. But we basically launched an experiment to see what would happen uh, if people ha were actually able to use CBD-rich products. Would it be anything like what the scientists were saying about what CBD for, uh, did for the mice? And, and if that were the case, we thought it was going to really have a huge impact, which turns out to have been the case. It has had a big impact. I mean, I think CBD last year was the most searched after supplement on the Internet worldwide. So, you know, it's, it's actually come, obviously come quite a long way uh, since the days when we were first focusing on that in 2009, 2010. Now it's a mega global phenomenon. But I think that that really underscores or it's a testament to the fact that it's a very, very powerful molecule that, that uh, really can do a lot of good for people if they know how to use it well. And I, I'll toss this in. The audience knows, because I've said it a bunch, but I'll, for your reference, I had an, I, I have a degree as a master herbalist, and I had an herb store at a national mail order catalog in the, I'll call it the late 80s. Uh, let's call it the mid 80s, because uh, I don't like to go back any further than that. Um, so I've talked to people about herbs of all kinds for decades. 
and also having lived always in California, I've always been around people doing stuff with cannabis, possibly working on some pain suppositories for a friend of mine who was the head of a, a hospice center on the Monterey Peninsula and that kind of thing. So it's been, to me, it's an herb. It's, and, and this part with CBD has been really miraculous from my perspective because of the, this leads me to the question of, I've, I've heard or read, because I've done a lot of reading and listening to you since I knew we were going to do this show. I've heard or read you say that CBD is psychoactive, not psychotropic. Would you please talk about that a bit? Yeah. One of the selling points that the CBD industry, as it were, has been promoting is this idea that uh, CBD is not psychoactive. Uh, they contrast that with THC, which is psychoactive. But actually, when you consider the fact that a, a person who takes a CBD-rich uh, product, whether it's derived from hemp or cannabis, who ha- is um, uh, subject to chronic depression, if they take CBD and experience a lift in their mood and they have a really good day for the first time in a long time, it would really be incorrect to say CBD is not psychoactive because clearly it's acting on the psyche in a way that improves that person's mood. So I think we have to realize that you know one can have a mood change without undergoing intoxication. And that's the case with, with uh, CBD, with THC. It elicits a mood change, and if it's taken in sufficient amounts, it will be intoxicating as well, mildly so, or, or perhaps more than that. It matters, you know, a lot on the dose. Uh, I do want to emphasize that I think CBD is shown to work best when combined with THC and the other components of the of the, of the cannabis plant. It is first and foremost a herbal med- medicine, but because we live in a uh, within a medical system, if you will, that's dominated by pharmaceuticals, there's a, an attempt to pharmaceuticalize the plant. And already the FDA has approved as pharmaceuticals, both CBD as an isolate, as a pure compound, and also THC going back several years. You can get both of those with prescriptions from physicians um, as isolated pharmaceuticals. Um, which is a little bit odd because on the one hand, it's legal to access these as single compounds, but it's illegal to grow it on a plant. <laughs> that doesn't make much sense unless you're in a state that has legalized medical cannabis or um, uh, cannabis for adult use. Uh, granted, you could get CBD also from hemp, but that's, a, that's another story. So uh, I think it's important to keep in mind as we talk about these, uh, talk about CBD, I, I think it's important to emphasize always CBD as part of the whole plant matrix, as part of a, of a full-spectrum herb. Uh, that's really where you get the most valuable, uh, you know, value out of, out of CBD. Um, so, you know, I'll, I'll leave it at that. But that's one of the, the points we stress very strongly, both in the book, The Essential Guide to CBD with Readers Digest, and also as we've done over the years on, on our website. And that's very much a scientifically-based conclusion. And... So that leads me to ask the question of CBD derived from hemp versus CBD derived from regular THC cannabis. Are there qualitative differences? Are they equals? Because even hemp has 0.3%. So that's one of the reasons I like working with people with hemp source because then they're less freaked out because it's such, it's a, kind of a uh, guaranteed standard guaranteed is not quite the right word but typical standard that it has that mm-hmm. to be legal it has to be have that or less 
Yes. And so do you that, feel that they're equals derived from both plants, or do you have a preference? Well, I, I think it could be. It really depends how the uh, oil is extracted and how the uh, how it's processed and then how the product is made, ultimately. Uh, the big difference uh, is not so much in terms of molecular structure. I mean, CBD is the same molecular compound, whether it's uh, extracted from a cannabis plant with 0.3% THC or less, that's a hemp plant, or more than 0.3% THC. It's still the same molecular structure in a CBD. Um, the difference is that the, uh, the hemp world is not regulated. So it's difficult to know what you're actually getting uh, if, if what is said on the label of the product actually match, matches what's in the product. Uh, it's difficult to know if the product is lab laden with pesticide residue or solvent residues because it's not subject to the kind of testing that goes on that if you are in a state that has legal medical cannabis or adult use cannabis, uh, it, the products have to go through a fairly rigorous testing regimen so that you can feel fairly confident if you walk into a dispensary uh, in California, for example, uh, and you buy a CBD rich product that's mainly CBD with very little THC, that what it says on the label actually corresponds to what's in the product. And you can also know uh, that the product's been tested so you, you can be sure it doesn't have um, levels of pesticides or solvent residues that shouldn't be in the product. That's, that's a difference. That said, there are good products, uh, good CBD products made for hemp. They're out there. Uh, it's sometimes difficult to know or to navigate that landscape. That's one of the reasons why we did the book with Reader's Digest. A lot of it is uh, devoted to sort of helping the consumer or the patient uh, guide them through that world uh, so they can make intelligent choices. Um, but, you know, ultimately, uh, it, it's what's important is how CBD is interacting with, with the other components of the plant. And when you're getting CBD from a hemp plant, it's somewhat limited compared to what, what's possible within a cannabis plant. I mean, what's typical in California within the medical cannabis world are CBD-rich products that have about 1% THC rather than 0.3%. Uh, uh, and maybe uh, if you're taking it straight from the plant, about 20% CBD by dry weight. That, that's a good amount of CBD to, to uh, get from a plant that you grow. You don't find those ratios uh, you don't find that amount of CBD available in hemp. Uh, it doesn't get quite that high generally. Uh, you know, breeders are trying to create plants that do that, that, that they create hemp plants that stay within the uh, legal limit for hemp but have a very robust CBD profile, like in some of the medical marijuana plants. But the whole conversation has been jumbled because people are uh, have been led to think that, well, hemp, that has uh, that's high CBD in hemp and, and marijuana. Uh, which is a cannabis with over 0.3% THC, that's, that's high THC. Well, you can get uh, marijuana plants with very high CBD and low THC. Uh, it's just that we have this arbitrary number, 0.3% THC, that has no scientific basis that's now encoded in the law that defines, you know, what is, what is hemp and what is not. Uh, the, you know, whether, whether you're getting your CBD from hemp or cannabis, the important thing is get a good quality product, uh, and know that if it's mainly CBD with very little THC, it shouldn't have an intoxicating effect. That you know, intoxication is not necessarily a bad thing. And what the science has shown, uh, a product with a relatively equal amount of CBD and THC, you know, kind of a one-to-one -one ratio, 
Um, that's more effective for pain, uh, for uh, neuropathic pain and chronic pain uh, than the other ratios. You know, so it's, it's kind of a tension. On, on the one hand, uh, a person may not want to get high, but they want to get the most out of the plant. So it's a matter of finding that balance, uh, the, the ratio, as it were, between CBD and, and THC. The more CBD, the less THC, the less intoxicating. Uh, so it's something that if there, you live in a state with the medical marijuana laws, then you will have choices where you can get, you can try different products, different ratios that might have different levels of intoxication. And, you know, how intoxicating a product will be also depends on the person using it. Uh, we will, you know, have different makeups, different genetic makeups. Um, and there are some people who are very, very sensitive to THC. They, they, they just don't like the experience. You know, for a lot of people, they enjoy it. They smoke a joint, whatever. Um, but uh, there, it turns out there's about 20% of Caucasians, about 10% of people of African descent, and about 5% of people of Asian descent have a kind of a genetic anomaly, if you will, um, where it's, it's actually called a polymorphism, which the gene that encodes the, the enzyme that breaks down the THC, you know, it's, it's there, uh, it, it's not there in the right amount. So it, it means that a person uh, might, might smoke a joint and one puff, and because their, their body doesn't metabolize THC and break it down, it stays in the system longer and it makes them very anxious. And it's just one of those things. You know, we all know people who like cannabis and other people that don't. Uh, if, you one that, if you're one of those that don't, they're uncomfortable with the high that cannabis confer, well, then CBD is a really good option for you because you can get products that won't make you high, but that can really improve your health. I have grown quite fond for myself. Uh, I use a organic hemp pre-roll cigarette, and it's just it's kind of like a cigar. It's not as big as a cigar, but in terms of it's a leaf basically of organic hemp rolled. And I will use it as an anti-anxiety. And I'm not a smoker. I have smoked THC cannabis years ago, not so much now. But I find that just one or two hits of that really calms me down quickly. And I like it as a delivery system because the assimilation is so quick and one or two. And I have been with uh, old friends of mine who were not cannabis consumers, but are nervous or feel they have, a, have that pot possibly now that I know that word polymorphism, I'll use that with one particular friend. And I've had her take just one hit of the hemp. And at first she thought she was having a reaction and gonna, she was beginning to kind of like, oh my God, no, I'm feel blue. And what we ultimately realized and she had a good laugh about was she was just feeling really relaxed quickly. Mm -hmm. It wasn't, she wasn't getting stoned. She was just like not used to it just coming on quickly in terms of, wow, I felt my shoulders drop, that kind of thing. Yeah, I think also if, if in her younger days your friend had uh, smoked marijuana and found that she didn't like it, you know, if you if you smoke a, a hemp joint, uh, the, it smells the same. You know, it's not yeah. like it's different. So it, it might have been uh, initially she got a little bit anxious because the association of the smoke and the smell, the memory, uh, but then actually when it settled in and it took effect, she realized, oh, actually, this is pretty nice. And, and indeed, you know, I would go for cheerleader for CBD. It might sound like I'm just a CBD booster uncritically, but no, we, we try to look at these things very carefully. What is it good for? What isn't it good for? 
One thing it is really good for is anxiety. I would go so far as to say that CBD is almost like a killer app for anxiety. And uh, uh, at Project CBD, where we hear from people all around the world, you know, we, we get a lot of email coming in. In fact, we did a, a pretty uh, a comprehensive survey among uh, CBD users. There initially over 5,000 were part of the survey. I think now it's up to 10,000. It's ongoing. You can access on our website. Uh, that's one of the three conditions that came through as the most likely reasons people would reach for CBD, anxiety, depression, and pain. Those were the big three. Having said that, uh, uh, among the groups that we surveyed, there were a lot of different conditions that reported uh, as being, um, you know, something that CBD could help. But those were the big three, uh, uh, anxiety, depression, and pain. Yeah, it was, I'm, I'm still thinking about that friend who was just, she really did have quite a good laugh that it was just, she, it had been so long since she had been just relaxed without a cocktail or some sort of, you know, skew. And it came on so quickly because I, that's one of, one of the reasons I like it, as I say, because the delivery is, the response is fairly fast. Unlike taking yeah, something it, oral where it can come on late, it sort of, it takes a little while and depends upon how the digestive system is working and all that. So that's why I like this as a like, oh, here, try this. Just take one hit. Mm -hmm. That's plenty. Um, and she was just delighted when she figured that out. Yeah, inhalation is a very effective method for uh, administering cannabinoids uh, intake into the system. Um, it is almost immediate, as you said, um, and it's very appropriate for certain kinds of conditions that require, um, you know, an acute response. If you're feeling really nauseous, you know, taking a, a pill and waiting an hour isn't really going to do the trick. But if you can <laughs> inhale something and, 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 you know, in a minute later, you experience significant relief. Well, that's great. I mean, it's the same thing for chronic, for, for pain or for acute pain or for a panic attack, for that matter. If you can um, ingest or, or administer the CBD in a way that works quickly, it's ideal. But if you're dealing with a chronic pain uh, that's long lasting, well, then maybe uh, ingesting a gel cap or an edible or a gummy, you know, maybe that's the way to do it because it could have a deeper and a more long lasting effect of and, or maybe a combination of uh, inhaling and ingesting. You know, there's different ways of, of taking uh, herbal medicines. You could take as topicals that you apply. You could take it as, uh, you know, an a tincture that you ingest or uh, a uh, sublingual that you drop under the tongue. Uh, you know, there's these different ways of doing it. And each way has its pros and its cons. And we talk about that in the Essential Guide to CBD. Um, and it's people uh, who are in areas or live in regions where they have access to different choices that they're able to then experiment and, and find out what works best for them, what combinations work, make most sense. Let's talk about topical applications because there's, and then that'll lead to a secondary about quality control, but let's talk about topicals because there is salves everywhere with CBD in it for running on sore, for rubbing on sore achy joints and all sorts of stuff. Let's talk about that as a delivery system. And also, if there is a slightly higher level of THC in there, can you get stoned, old school stoned or altered from topical application of THC? That's kind of a secondary question, but I have to throw it in. No, it's a good question, though. The short answer is no, you know, because a topical application, which is a significant or a very important way of, of uh, utilizing 
cannabinoids, these compounds in the cannabis plant. Um, it works very well, but it's, it's more of a local effect. Uh, it, it can be absorbed uh, in, into the skin, uh, but it doesn't get into the bloodstream. It doesn't become systemic, so it stays local. So if you're dealing with an arthritic condition around the knuckles or a wrist or something like that, it's great to rub a, a CBD-rich uh, topical in that air, on that area. But it also might be good to take an, uh, something internally as well, kind of hit it from both directions, inside and outside. It turns out that CBD is much easily, more easily absorbed through the skin than THC. Um, and uh, depending, again, how the product is formulated, there's ways even utilizing components that are in the cannabis plant itself to make it go through the skin easier. Um, and it turns out that the endocannabinoid system, these, these different receptors and, and compounds that uh, are really what makes cannabis work, is the endocannabinoid system is in the skin uh, as it is throughout the body. So if you uh, rub a CBD-rich salve, a CBD-rich oil, um, on an area of your skin, it will activate the cannabinoid receptors in that area. Um, and it could be uh, useful for providing relief for a very wide range of, of conditions, both acne, uh, acne uh, as well as uh, dermatitis, you know, itchy skin. Uh, there's people reporting that with skin cancers, if you put uh, CBD-rich or THC-rich cannabis oil, basically, on, on, the, on the tumor, on the area of the skin that's cancerous, uh, so that, that it has an anti-tumoral effect. Um, I can't necessarily speak for this, but I can say that there is science that explains how this would be the case, uh, because science has clearly shown that both CBD and THC uh, have anti-cancer effects, anti-tumoral effects, but we know that mainly from experiments on animals. And it is a leap to go from animals to people. Um, so, we, you know, we have to be careful about uh, stating more than that, you know, than what we know. But I would, I would say that at least a, a dozen different uses for uh, CBD-rich topicals in terms of, you know, what it can do for a person's health, in including uh, for these uh, antibiotic-resistant infections like MRSA and so forth. Uh, CBD combined with manuka honey, very, uh, it's honey mm. grown from the, uh, the tea tree oil uh, plant. Uh, that That's a, uh, 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 something that's really amazing for uh, dealing with um, uh, bacterial infections that are resistant to antibiotics. Uh, the CBD is very potent in that regard. Again, I've heard, I've known people who have used this uh, uh, on their own conditions, uh, but we haven't seen any clinical trials for this. So we just have anecdotal reports and also preclinical science dealing with animals explaining how this would work. So I think there's a, you know, a lot of possibilities for uh, topical use of CBD and other cannabinoids. And that leads me into the, the third secondary question in there was, how do we, and I know you talk about it in the Essential Guide, how do we figure out what to buy? I mean, it's a, you could buy it at Safeway now. You could probably buy it at 7-Eleven for all I know. I mean, CBD is truly everywhere. And as you said, it, it's not as tested or as quality controlled as THC currently, although the growers that I know are all growing organic. And I feel about, of course, I've always been in California, so I've always had a relationship with people in the cannabis realms, such as, as well as yourself. And so I, I like cannabis by people that I've shaked their, shaken their hand and know them to be an integrous person who are growing organic and wouldn't do it. They can't imagine doing anything else. 
So how do we find products that are good quality? How do we know that? Is there, is there a flag? Is there a th- how do we figure that out? Well, we provide a set of guidelines uh, in the Essential Guide to CBD to address uh-huh. that question. It's obviously a key question. So it, people can be all excited about wanting to try it, but if you don't know where to go to get it uh, or what to do in that regard, it's an obvious issue. You know, first and foremost, uh, what we would say at Project CBD, if you live in a state that has legal cannabis in any shape or form, you know, whether it's legal for medical use or also legal for adult use, buy from a licensed dispensary because a licensed dispensary has to play by certain rules. Now, those rules include pretty rigorous testing of what's in these products. So you can feel confident uh, that what you're getting is what it says and that it's a fairly clean product. You know, I I know even in a state like California, uh, where people are growing uh, cannabis or hemp organically, that there's a tremendous amount of pesticide drift. I've known uh, some of the major cannabis uh, producers uh, that are producing CBD lines and so forth. None none of the flower, you know, none of the actual plant comes in with absolutely no pesticides, even if they don't use it. So, you know, you have to deal with this issue very seriously because when you extract oil from a plant that has pesticides on it, those pesticides become concentrated in the oil. You actually increase the amount of pesticide. And, you know, you have to be very careful about this. The other thing is what we found is uh, within, uh, again, I'm speaking from my experience knowing about what's happening in California, uh, a a product maker can go through all the steps. Uh, They they test the, the, the cannabis when it comes in or the hemp, making sure it's clean. Everything checks out okay. Uh, Nothing is exceeding allowable limits in in terms of pesticides. And then they extract the oil uh, and they test it again to make sure there's no solvent residues or or that the the levels of whatever was in there to begin with haven't now, uh, because of the concentration factor, exceeded the amounts. Uh, And then they go and uh, make a a product. They make a chocolate. uh, And they test it again and and then they fail the test. And what happened? The, the, and they realized, oh, it was the chocolate. The chocolate mm-hmm. had things <laughs> that were that not allowed. You know, so the, actually the good news is that in a state, at least like California, they really do this, this rigorous testing. And actually they hold cannabis uh, to a higher standard than other things. Um, but, you know, many people don't live in one of the 16 or I think it's going to be now 17 states very soon. It looks like New York is going to have legal cannabis for adults. Um, if you're living in a state that doesn't have that uh, or doesn't have a medical cannabis program, you know, what do you do? Well, uh, a bit of it's trial and error. You've got to do like you would walking into a supermarket. Um, when you go to buy something, you read the label, you know, and if the label has 25 different chemicals on there that you know, really, you know, you can't even pronounce the names. If that's the case, I usually put that product back. You know, and, and go for something else. <laughs> you, you know, we have to be smart consumers, conscious shoppers. Uh, you can any brand or any product you want to buy. They have a website. You can call them. You can ask them questions. You can read about them. Uh, the FDA has uh, issued warning letters uh, to many different brands now because they are either making unwarranted medical claims about their product or because the FDA has tested these products and found that. 
uh, the amount of CBD claimed to be in them is way off and, and so forth. You know, that's, you can go to the FDA's website public, uh, and type in CBD and you can get that information. Um, but, you know, there are some good brands out there and, and uh, it's possible to find them. Um, you know, Project CBD is not a commercial website, but we are actually in the middle now of a process of developing a marketplace section for the first time in, in over 10 mm-hmm. years we've been existing. We're not going to be selling products directly. We don't do that. But um, it will be a place for a very carefully curated selection of brands that we feel good about uh, in terms of, uh, you know, people accessing that. You know, the other things you look for is, uh, I mean, if Ideally, if you're in a state without medical cannabis, if you can actually walk into a store and talk to a person behind the counter, even if that person isn't really all that knowledgeable, you know, it's a human face. You could buy a product. If you're not satisfied with it, you can go back and say you weren't satisfied. But, you know, if you're buying it just over the Internet, it becomes much more impersonal, uh, difficult to uh, you know, take, make amends or to make it right if it doesn't work out. Um, but also, you know, if you go into a store, you can tell a lot about the consciousness or the ethos of the of the store itself, of the owners. If you walk in the store and you notice that they're selling other herbs, they're selling functional mushrooms, uh, not psychedelic mushrooms, but, the, you know, uh, health-inducing mushrooms or uh, that it's a, you know, you, you have a sense, oh, these people are really concerned about um, at different aspects of health rather than just, oh, they're opening up a CBD shop to make some money, you know. So there's, again, there's various uh, flags or, or, or factors that you might consider uh, when approaching this question. We have a whole list of them in, in, the, um, in the Essential Guide to CBD. Um, but look at it as a, you know, think of it as in a way like a journey or an expl- exploration. I mean, CBD is not harmful. Um, it's really a matter of figuring out what works well for you. And it might take some experimentation. It might be a little bit different from your friend who smoked that hemp joint right away, uh, had an experience that was noticeable and vivid and helpful. Um, but the good news is that uh, these products are now widely available. Uh, they're not harmful and that they can potentially do a lot of good. And I really would, I, I cannot strongly enough second what you're saying with uh one of my favorite hashtags is self-care. This is part of the, and again, being an old herbalist, where people have to do some of their own diligence, own due diligence. They, you really want to look and read. <laughs> you know, don't just walk into a store and take, although if you have a rapport with somebody in a dispensary, an herbalist, or an herbalist that you know and respect, they know a lot about all sorts of combinations and formulations and ask their opinion, but do some due diligence. And that's, that's one of the things that I think that's great about the Essential Guide to CBD is it has a lot of, I mean, you have chapters in here on everything from chronic pain to dementia to depression. Um, I think in here, I don't see it right immediately, but I think you talk also about epilepsy, which was particularly in children. That was sort of where CBD in a certain way, I can't, I don't, I don't. Want, I want to use the term "made its mark," but not exactly. I remember when it was huge in Colorado because they were one of the first places to start doing work with CBD, or early on, 
and it was with children and epilepsy. Could you talk about that somewhat? Not necessarily Colorado, but the children and epilepsy and CBD. Yes, I mean, C- CBD is, a, is an approved pharmaceutical now uh, by the FDA uh, for treating children with intractable epilepsy and really severe cases of epilepsy where kids can have 100 seizures a week and so forth. I mean, these are terrible, you know, life-threatening and life-degrading uh, conditions. Uh, and uh, both CBD in particular and cannabis in general has been shown to have uh, very powerful anti-seizure and anti-convulsive properties. If you go, uh, you, we have to remind ourselves with cannabis as an herbal medicine, it was a big deal in, in America in the, in the second half of the 19th century. Uh, and if you go back and look at the old uh, 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 the pharmacopoeias or the dispensatories uh, for uh uh, the second half of the 1800s, uh, and you look up what cannabis tinctures were indicated for, um, childhood convul- convulsions is one of the things it was indicated for. So we knew about this way back when, but we sort of lost consciousness or knowledge of the information. But yes, the real breakthrough nationally for CBD uh, was w- w- in regard for children, it was in context of using uh, for, CBD-rich extracts for children uh, with epilepsy. That started in California. The folks in Colorado heard about it from what was happening oh, in California. Okay. And then it was uh, uh, the, the real breakthrough happened as a result of, of what transpired, uh, particularly with a little girl named Charlotte Figgy. Unfortunately, she died uh, during as she, she was exposed to COVID. And, you know, right. with, with uh, these very fragile health conditions, it's, it's uh, you know, it's tragic what happened. But nonetheless... In her short, incredible life, uh, she ended up really opening people's minds and hearts uh, in ways that heretofore had never happened before regarding um, CBD and cannabis. No question about it. She's she's one of our little heroes, you might say. Mm-hmm. And one of the chapters uh, in the book also talks about, and I, I don't think people would think of this, and I think this is a great thing that you discuss in, in the chapter where you talk about digestive and bowel disorders. Talk about CBD yeah. and that. That's such a great, because people have, so many people have digestive issues, and there are lots of things they need to be doing, like look at your diet. But let's yeah, talk about CBD yeah. and the benefits. Yeah. Yeah. You know, again, the endocannabinoid system, these cannabinoid receptors that respond pharmacologically to CBD and THC um, are, are very much located in the gut. Um, there is the gut, what's called the gut brain access. You know, the gut, the bowels it actually has its own brain. Uh, it's called the enteric nervous system. Uh, and, you know, you go back to the ancient medical text, so all diseases begin in the gut. I think that was Hippocrates, you know, said that. Um, and there's there's some truth to that. Uh, but, you know, when you talk about diseases of the gut, you're talking about many different things. A lot of it has to do with inflammation. Uh, and CBD is a very potent anti-inflammatory. Uh, and an inflammatory gut disorder is essentially an autoimmune disease. And uh, CBD um, acts on the immune system in, in ways to, if you think of it as a CBD as a dimmer switch, it just turns down immune, uh, immune activity just slightly. So it takes the edge off of an autoimmune condition. That's when uh, a person's immune system is, is reacting inappropriately to something. Um, and there are many different autoimmune conditions, including like colitis or Crohn's disease and so forth. Um, but, but another really key factor is uh, what we now refer to as the microbiome, it's something that is relatively recent in medical science that uh, physicians have begun to appreciate the fact that we have everybody carries within them you know, literally tens of thousands of different kinds of gut bacteria. 
so we, we are, are host to other organisms. And, and it turns out that the gut bacteria play a very uh, uh, significant role in influencing our health. And when scientists have looked at it further, we didn't go into it too much in the Reader's Digest book, but we've been doing it lately on the Project CBD website. What modern science is now showing is that the endocannabinoid system is what is how the gut bacteria and the gut itself, the host, us, you know, communicate with each other. So if you have a, a, an inappropriate, uh, what we let's call gut dysbiosis, sort of a, the wrong kinds of bacteria in there. Uh, through um, eating a lot of sugary foods or processed foods, it, it encourages the wrong bacteria to grow. Um, that can be a basis of many neurological diseases like Parkinson's or, de- or, or depression. Uh, so essentially what happens is, is you're, you're, I'm oversimplifying here, but your bad ga- bacteria sort of picks up the phone. The phone is the endocannabinoid system and dials the brain and tells the brain, you're depressed. <laughs> um, now, if you can intervene in, within that uh, commu- line of communication um, and uh, uh, have the endocannabinoid system send a different message, um, it can actually uh, be a remedy for these kinds of conditions. And, and this is a really exciting emerging area of medical science now, looking at how the endocannabinoid regulates communication between bacteria and, and the human host. Uh, and I think there's a, a lot there. And what's interesting, actually, they found that THC, itself is a probiotic, meaning by consuming THC, you're inter- it, it has the effect of encouraging the growth of the, the healthy bacteria. Um, CBD also seems to play into this, but there's less science on this. And again, all of this is very new science. And in order for the THC to have benefit to the probiotics in the gut or the microbiome in the gut, you'd want to be using THC in an oral form. That's in the form of a uh, question. Sorry. Yeah, I, I'm not sure. Um, I know that's oh, how okay. the experiments with mice. Uh, yeah, again, this is very new science, and we've just touched okay. on it. Uh, you know, on our website, and, you know, we're, we're trying to follow this, uh, but um, it's not clear. You know, it, it uh, you can inhale it, and it doesn't uh, it doesn't pass through the gut right away. As a result, it goes straight to the uh, blood, bloodstream. If you swallow it, it has to go through the gut. It gets processed, and then gets into the bloodstream. It takes longer. Um, but, but it's not exactly clear. Um, you know, there's many things that one can uh, consume that have a probiotic effect, that has the effect of encouraging the growth of the good bacteria. Um, and, you know, so, it's, so, so diet obviously is crucial. And one of the points we emphasize very strongly in the Essential Guide to CBD is if you, if you want to get the most out of CBD or cannabis therapeutics, uh, use it in conjunction with a healthy lifestyle. It shouldn't be used as an excuse not to get exercise as an excuse to eat poorly or eat late into the night, you know, that, or, or to, to live a lifestyle that got you in the place to begin with, where you're thinking about what you can do to improve your health. Uh, you know, it makes sense that, you know, CBD and that should synergize with other, with, with just good living and, and, you know, obviously healthy sleep and diet exercise are key in that regard. And I think you can look at herbal medicine as a, as a fourth component or, or other holistic healing modalities you know, which CBD is, is one of them, um, as, as a sort of a fourth uh, foundation for, for a healthy life, sleep, diet, uh, exercise, and, and, and good holistic healing techniques. Uh, if you can get on a good program, it'll, it'll do wonders.
I wonder if anybody makes any fermented products since ferment, uh, fermented foods are awesome for the digestive system and just ever, I think, have lots of other benefits, micronutrient benefits as well. I wonder if anybody's making a probiotic product or a fermented food product that has a little bit of hemp leaf in there, or a little bit of THC leaf in there would be an awesome thing to throw on a salad. I, I'm a big fan of adding some kind of sauerkraut or fermented food to everything that I eat. It's sort of a side uh, condiment. Um, yeah, no, it makes so, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, it's, it's very it's, it makes a lot of sense to do that. And you you know I think anything that can be done with the CBD product, someone's going to do it. And yes, indeed, I have heard <laughs> of uh, a CBD uh, you know being made in, with some kind of a probiotic uh, tincture or something in, in, in that regard. And as I've heard about this actually for several years. I don't think much came of this, this product line. You know, there's, there's issues of stability and, and, and shelf life and things like that. Uh, but uh, you can do a lot with the molecule. People are, uh, are some, some brands are, are making soluble versions of CBD. CBD is a, is a lipid, it's an oily product, and all the cannabinoids are oils. And, uh, you know, oils are less easily absorbed uh, than uh, uh, non-oils, water-based products. So th th there's ways you can uh, make water-soluble versions of THC. But, again, even that and, – and you can hear about that. Uh, product makers sometimes make a big deal about it in terms of marketing. Well, this is be better. It's stronger for you. It would have a better effect. And there's some truth to that, but there's also another side to it. Water-soluble CBD – which is available in stores and on the internet, will have an effect that's quicker, but it also has less duration. So it kind of, it takes effect quicker, but it sort of has, it, it, it leaves the system quicker, if you will. And, and with water-soluble CBD, particularly with beverages, and if you're going to have a CBD-infused beverage, well, you're going to have to have a water-soluble version of CBD, or else all the CBD is going to float to the top like an oil would. But there you have certain log logistical challenges and technical challenges of, of how you make the CBD-rich beverage uh, in a way that so, you know, the CBD doesn't get stuck to the sides of the can, which actually can happen unless you're really doing it right. So, uh, you know, beverages is another delivery system, um, but um, whether how well it works, uh, you know, you can try it and see if you like it. Uh, I, I think it, it does take some technical know-how to do it well. I've seen products and beverages. I, I live near Sonoma, and I've I've seen beverages on particularly since restaurants have been doing mostly to go and setting up front tables outside the restaurant where you can pick up food. And there's a local high-end eatery on the square where they have cans of CBD, and I'm always looking at them suspiciously, like, is this really just hype? Really CBD in a bot in a can? I don't know. I'm just suspicious. Um, but now that you've said that, I'll have to try one and see if I feel it. You know, I mean, I think one should be suspicious and one should be uh, approaching <laughs> all this with a, cr a critical eye. Uh, one doesn't have to be negative about it, but yeah, you know, you right. spend your money on something. You want to spend it on something worthwhile. Uh, again, you, you'll find CBD in so many different forms these days. I'm sure CBD infused toothpaste is right around the corner, uh, which actually could be an interesting product. That would but, be great. Uh, you know, because, again, be. because that's have very strong antimicrobial, antibacterial activities, both CBD and another compound called cannabigerol, CBG, as in CBD good, you know, uh, mm -hmm. and that's an up-and-coming cannabinoid um, that also has very potent antibiotic properties. 
And we, we discuss it a little bit in the Essential Guide to CBD. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of different possibilities here. And wherever we're at now, you know, a, a year from now, it's going to be more, even more. You know, it, it, when we, we first started 10 years ago with Project CBD, uh, it was very rare. I mean, you couldn't find this stuff in dispensaries. You know, maybe there were a few different strains, as it were, or varietals that were what we call CBD rich. Um, a few dispensaries might have had it. It was, in fact, that was largely our instigation, if that was the case. But uh, look at how far we come. I mean, now you get CBD everywhere. You can go to your gas station and get it. That's not a place I would recommend incidentally <laughs> to get your CBD. But um, it's all over the place, and that's better than nothing, you know. But it, it does then present a quandary and a challenge for people, you know, trying to figure out how to proceed. Um, but uh, beverages are a legitimate way of consuming CBD. Um, but I just think it's a relatively new market, as it were. Um, and I would think that uh, a few years from now, the products will improve in terms of their efficacy, which is not to say that some of them are good out there now. But, um, you know, again, one has to try and, and, and experiment a bit. CBD infused coffee is all over the place. Um, and, and I'm not sure if that makes a lot of sense, actually, putting CBD in coffee. But um but people seem to like it, and, and uh, that helps to sell the coffee. So um, <laughs> that, that helps to cross market to both directions. It doesn't uh, herbally. It doesn't make any sense to me to add a stimulant to a calming anti-inflammatory agent. But that's a separate show. Um, well, really, yeah, you know, the, wow. the funny thing about it, though, if I might, add, you know, CBD yeah. in very small amounts, it, it, it's it, it does have a slightly stimulating effect. Um, it, oh. it, a lot of it has to do with dosage. A small dose of CBD will be uh, be calming, but not like soporific, not like making you tired. Uh, it'll be calming in an, in an alerting kind of way, uh, and, and, and not not alarm bells, just sort of like um, like a nice fresh breeze, you know, <laughs> sort of it, it just a crisp, you know. Uh, but uh, high doses of CBD can make one sleepy. Uh, uh, high doses and low doses of cannabinoids often have opposite effects. So it's another thing that people need to keep in mind as they explore this area. Just you, you think, wow, this really helped me. I'm, so I'm going to take a lot more. You might find increasing your dose of CBD will actually weaken its effect in some cases. Um, it's all part of uh, you know, learning how to use these things. And unfortunately, because of cannabis prohibition, marijuana prohibition, we've sort of lost connection with the therapeutic value of a plant, which we're now relearning again after, after that connection uh, been cut off, and and that connection for humanity goes back thousands of years. And the cannabis, cannabis and CBD have been used therapeutically for a long, long time in many different cultures, Go, going back to ancient China, uh, five thousand years ago. We we know that um, uh, cannabis was considered one of the supreme elixirs of immortality, and it was a hemp uh, that they were talking about. Um, so. Uh, uh, you know, the CBD was part of Chinese medicine going back a long time. But typically in Chinese medicine, you might, you're probably familiar with this, you know, it, Chinese doctors wouldn't prescribe one herb. It would be an herb, you know, several herbs mixed together. Um, but again, uh, we've lost that understanding. So we're, we're trying to regain it as part of this you know, interesting process of reabsorbing cannabis back into our culture. Legally, well, and that's also and that's also true in the herbal world. Uh, there are people such as myself who always – I rarely think of a single herb. I, I think of formulations, and the idea of a formulation is that you have the herbs that you want to get into the system, and then you have stimulants, meaning ginger or cayenne or something like that, to carry it to the system. So you're making a full 
spectrum formulation. And I think that's exciting to see the idea in, in dispensaries where I now see people using uh, THC, CBD blends with a few other herbs together. That's very sort of comforting to me because I like formulations. I'm not anti-single herbs. I just don't think that way. I think more of we combine things for a total effect of that combination. And, and, and that's I, exciting. Yeah, I think in our culture, the, the focus is very much on, on the single uh, component or the single right. herb. I mean, and, you know, that's because uh, the pharmaceutical industry dominates uh, the medical establishment. And, and uh, I should emphasize, I'm not against pharmaceuticalizing cannabis. It's happening whether we like it or not. What I don't like is how that approach is privileged above others. Um, it's, you know, CBD is legal as a single compound, according to the FDA. But once it's part of a cannabis plant, uh, the FDA actually says that isolate is the, uh, is the only legal form of CBD now, even though uh, it seems the rest of the world is saying, come on, wake up and get with the program. You know, you've got millions and millions of people taking CBD products that aren't pharmaceutical, strictly speaking, even isolate products isolate infused products. So, you know, uh, I think that uh, the pharmaceuticals have their place. They can do a lot of good in certain situations, but I'm skeptical whether that's really the best approach in terms of getting the most out of the therapeutic value of cannabis or of CBD for that matter. Um, I think it's important that we have access to different choices. And I don't like sort of the tyranny of the pharmaceutical establishment in this regard. I think that uh, that hurts um, that hurts us, you know, that limits us in terms of uh, what we need to do to, to um, pursue our own health choices uh, and to live a better life. I'll take a deep breath and not dive into that conversation about the pharmaceutical world because I feel the same way, specifically as an herbalist. I'm like, what? I used to, when I had the herb store, I used to collect old pharmacopoeias. And mm. back, in the, back in the day uh, when, when pharmacists were compounders, when they would actually take herbs and pound them and smash them and mortar and pestle them and tincture them or glycerin them or make them into a syrup or have a, you know, figure out the delivery system, they actually compounded where they would take a whole plant and then they would extract out what they wanted. And then we got into the world of synthetics where it's like, let's just take that single molecule, which leads me to asking about isolates versus, well, it's a combination about isolates in the CBD world and adding an isolate to a whole plant extract as, as a possibility. Mm. Is that a good idea in your uh, opinion and review? Yeah, I, you know, I, I, I'm fortunate to be in a situation where I don't have to do that, but it's one right. way, particularly if you want to follow some of the recipes that, that are in the essential guide to CBD, there's quite a few recipes there. You know, one mm -hmm. way of doing it is to take an isolate and, and have that be the CBD, um, additive uh, to, to uh, you know, something that you're making. And isolates are pretty easy to get. You can get isolate products on the internet, you know, uh, and in some stores. Uh, uh, but one should keep in mind the following. When there was actually a comparison done, a meta-analysis, it's called, which is a very uh, it's a sophisticated form of science when you actually analyze uh, different studies, and they were comparing uh, CBD as an isolate, as a pharmaceutical, approved by the FDA. It's called Epidiolex. It's gone through all the mm. trials, and it's been shown to be helpful for children with these catastrophic seizure disorders. That's all well and good as far as I'm concerned. 
But the meta-analysis is compared the efficacy of Epidiolex to um, CBD as part of a full-spectrum oil. And they chose the oils that were mainly CBD-rich, you know, just a little THC, right? And they found that uh, the oils were also very effective for children with epilepsy. Uh, But that the amount of CBD you needed as part of a full-spectrum product was about one-fifth of the amount of CBD that was being used uh, in the epidiolex uh, uh, situation. So really, uh, when, it's part, when CBD is part of a full-spectrum matrix, it potentiates the CBD, so you need a lot less of CBD than you would if you were using it as an isolate. We think, oh, if it's an isolate, it has to be really strong. But actually, isolates are weaker than full-spectrum products. Uh, all things considered, uh, you know, other things considered equal. Um, and the other factor is this, that CBD, it turns out, interacts with many different pharmaceuticals. Uh, I think it's at 60, 70% of approved pharmaceuticals uh, can have an interaction with CBD. Um, that, that's quite striking. Um, and particularly when you take high amounts of isolate, which you need to have an effect uh, as compared to the full spectrum oils, um, that makes the drug interactions more likely. And drug interactions can be problematic or they can be very helpful. Um, if you are in a situation where um, you're taking opiates for, to deal with pain and you add a cannabis to the regimen or a CBD to the regimen, you might find that the CBD or cannabis potentiates the opiates. It makes them, you know, that synergy, it makes the opiates stronger which is really good. That means you could take less of the opiate to have the effect you're looking for. And if you're taking less of an opiate, you're less likely to overdose and die. You know? And it's a similar thing that scientists are learning when they're combining in, in um, uh, preclinical experiments, experiments on animals who, who have cancer. You know, they make animal models of cancer. I'm not saying this is a good thing ethically, but this is what scientists do. Um, they're finding when the CBD and or THC is combined with the standard chemotherapy agent or the uh, radiation therapy, the cannabinoids potentiate, make stronger uh, the chemotherapy agent. Uh, Again, this could be very dangerous because that means it builds up in your system longer. You're not, uh, because of this drug interaction, you're not metabolizing the chemotherapy agent as quickly. Uh, If that's not monitored, it could be very dangerous. These chemotherapy agents are highly toxic. They could kill you. Um, the good news is, uh, if it's done right, supervision of a physician, at least in theory, and actually in some cases in practice, it means you can lower the amount of the chemotherapy agent that you're taking for the cancer uh, when combined with CBD. And that's a good thing because the, this, these chemotherapy agents can really trash your body. I mean, they're very toxic. Uh, and, and they, uh, you know, so if you can do something to get the benefits from that chemotherapy agent, you know, if that's the way you're going with your, your, your treatment, um, anything that can reduce that and yet keep the uh, efficacy high, uh, you, you want. And, and there's an example of how potentially um, uh, cannabis as an herbal medicine can be very complementary uh, to pharmaceuticals. So I, I, I hope we can kind of go beyond the this one versus that, you know, personally, my bias, if you will, is much more in the direction of the herbal medicines. But, you know, there's a place for these other things. And um, we should find a way to uh, utilize these medicines, uh, but not so as to exclude something that's not a pharmaceutical. 
you know, it, it shouldn't just be pharmaceutical CBD that's legal according to the FDA. Other forms of CBD are also perfectly, you know, safe and available. And we live in this kind of crazy world where epidiolics is not even scheduled. You know, we have these rigorous schedule. Marijuana is schedule one, dangerous drug with no medical value. There's five mm -hmm. different schedules. Schedule five is like sort of the least dangerous. CBD as a pharmaceutical is considered so safe by the FDA that it's not even scheduled. And if you and if I grew, yet if I grew a plant as I do in my backyard in California, I'm allowed to grow six plants. Um, if I grow a cannabis plant with more than 0.3% THC, with lots of CBD in it, that CBD would be considered a Schedule One drug, no medical value, highly dangerous. It makes no sense whatsoever. It's Looney Tunes, the the the, the legal system we're living in right now, and CBD has really. Um, uh, uh, magnify those contradictions and hopefully magnifying in such a way as we can deal with it as a society sensibly, rationally, and move on so we have a better place with these medicines. I think that's an excellent place to end because I'm stunned to find we're already here. We're actually a little beyond here. I, there are so many other conversations. There may have to be a part two of this because I have so many <laughs> positive thoughts about CBD. And as you say, fighting the pharmaceutical industry rather than fighting it, let's join it and use it to enhance the action of other things. Because I think one of the things about I, I think of uh, CBD as being in the, in the world of uh, herbs, we have things called tonics and or adaptogens. And the classic, sort of the classic adaptogens are Dong Kwai and ginseng. An adaptogen means that it has a long-term beneficial effect, one thing. And the other thing is that adaptogens help the body to strive toward homeostasis. So if it's too much, it helps it bring it down. If it's too low, it helps brings it up. And I think that's one of the characteristics of CBD that will be down the road. We'll look at it and go, oh, that could be why it's having beneficial effects with pharmaceuticals because it is an adaptogen. It's helping the body in that side while the drug is working at the same time. That's all just a working theory at this moment. I, I think I you're think onto something. There. I, yeah. I think cannabis is an herbal adaptogen. It is. Uh, and, and CBD has those properties. Uh, I think you're absolutely right. That's a great place to end. Martin Lee says I'm right. Wow, that's excellent. Thank you, sir. <laughs> well, thank you. Where would you like to find? Uh, where would you like people to find more about you and about the Essential Guide to CBD? Well, um, I would suggest people go to our website, projectcbd.org. It's one word, projectcbd.org. There's a lot of information about a lot of different things uh, in terms of we've touched on some of it. Um, you can um, uh, find out how to get the Reader's Guide just book, the Essential Guide to CBD. Um, but you can also get that book from the Reader's Digest website, from Amazon.com. I've heard it's actually being sold in Walmart, which I think is amazing. Wow. <laughs> but uh, that to me, we've, we've hit the mainstream big time, you know. Um, yes, it's out there. I, I do think it really is a helpful uh, volume for people. It's very user-friendly. And I think um, – you know, I, I would I would strongly suggest it. A lot of it is is drawn from our, the work on our website, but it's it's more than that. There's other aspects that have been brought into the book. Um, so I think it's really a valuable contribution to the to the CBD movement, as it's been called. Walmart. Wow. 
uh, excellent. <laughs> that is excellent. I love, I've always loved the, uh, I have the uh, old line in my head of corrupting from within, although I'd like a different word than corrupt, <laughs> meaning you go into the place and you change minds from within. And when you start seeing this book at Walmart, I feel that we're right there on the verge of maybe changing minds. I think that's very exciting. Me too. Thank you so much, Martin. That was stupendous. I knew it was going to be good, but it was even better than I thought. Well, everybody we'll have a follow-up. We will. Yeah, I hope we Thank you. I hope. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. Have a great rest of the weekend. Bye-bye. <laughs>